Welcome to The Application, the go-to, how-to podcast for higher education marketers. I'm your host, Allison Tercio, Assistant Vice President of Enrollment and Marketing at Siena College. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, this podcast is packed with practical tips and actionable advice to help you elevate your marketing game. In each snackable episode, we bring in experts to share their insights and experience on the topics that matter most to you. Got a question or idea you'd like us to cover? Email team at enrollify.org or reach out to me on Twitter or LinkedIn. The application is part of the Enrollify Podcast Network. And if you like this show, you'll definitely want to check out our other higher ed focused podcasts on admissions, tech, marketing, and more. They're packed with stories, ideas, and tools to help you be the best in your field. All right, it's time for the show. In this episode, we're diving into a crucial topic that every higher ed marketer needs to grasp, leveraging digital analytics to overcome the biggest challenges in digital marketing. Our guest today is a true expert in this field, Chris Hardy, Director of Web and Digital Marketing at Messiah University. He's an expert in user experience, information architecture, and web analytics, and he also works as a consultant. Most importantly, Chris is passionate about making the web a better place for prospective students and their families during the college search process. Chris, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thank you. Let's start by setting the stage. Could you briefly explain the current challenges that hired marketers often face when it comes to digital analytics and digital marketing? Yeah, this is a really good question. And I've, I've kind of thought through a few different kind of segments to touch on here. Um, the first is data integrity. That's kind of a growing concern. I think that all of us have. I know at my institution, I'm seeing a lot of traffic from bots and different spam traffic. And it's really starting to kind of dilute and uh, create some problems with our data integrity. So just understanding kind of what's happening in that sphere and making sure, especially from digital campaigns, that we're not driving too much of the bot and spam traffic, and that we're also finding ways to identify that. I think another big uh, concern and something that I've been working a lot on is just kind of some of the changes in the digital landscapes. I know, for example, iOS 17 is releasing, I think here in a couple of weeks, um, and there are a lot of changes in there, especially for marketing analytics as it pertains to like UTM traffic. traffic. So now like any kind of native apps within Apple, for example, Mail, Safari, Messenger are going to start, if, if the user has enabled this, they will start excluding UTM when users are clicking on links with UTM data, which is going to cause some pretty big problems, especially with data integrity for our different campaigns. I, th- I think another big thing that we need to focus on as higher education institutions is just the the complexity of our web ecosystems. A lot of times we have, you know, our CRM platform, we might have multiple different public facing websites, you know, maybe different ones for the schools and colleges within the university um, and making sure that we're able to track all of those in a way that's meaningful that we can kind of see prospective students as they go from one to another is really important. Okay. I'm getting nervous. (laughs) That was a lot, wasn't it? Well, it's a lot, but it's important because it's already hard on the marketing side, especially to track, right? And to prove what's working and to get those questions answered that the leadership of your college wants answered. So 
what do, what do we do? How can digital analytics play a role in helping us address some of these challenges? So, yeah, I, th I think once we've kind of crossed our T's and dotted our I's and we feel comfortable with our, our implementation, I think just working with our different stakeholders and, and trying to understand what, what they need to know and help them address that through reports. I always say that like high level reports are really only going to give us high level data and, and answers. So a lot of times we have to kind of dig down into the, the data. And a lot of times that data isn't even there to leverage. So we have to kind of go back to how we're setting up and our configurations within our web analytics. So maybe that's setting up additional um, event tracking parameters within Google Tag Manager to get to the data that really helps us make those meaningful decisions. So it sounds like you really have to understand the questions people are going to have or the questions that the college or university needs answers to and build back from there. You can't pull an answer out of nowhere. Yeah, and that's what's so frustrating sometimes with analytics is it doesn't necessarily answer our questions one for one. Sometimes we we go into a report and we, we get more questions than answers. So being able to identify those questions and, and, and build upon our analytic implementation to kind of get to the answers is something that's really important. So let's shift a little bit and go to the marketer mindset, sort of. How can higher ed marketers practically utilize the digital analytics to craft effective strategies? Because oftentimes the marketers are not the ones setting up all of the analytics, right? Or the implementation of the analytics, but they're often the ones that need the answers to those questions. So what should we be doing? Yeah, I think just helping whoever is is implementing all those changes within our web analytics platforms. I think also just kind of understanding the, the vast array of marketing analytics platforms that we have. All of our data isn't coming from the same place typically. And so, for example, you, you might have CRM data that has some different aspects where you can do full funnel tracking and see students as they you know kind of go down funnel. We have web analytics where we're able to see more as, as long as like, as far as engagement goes um, with our websites. Uh, we have, you know, our different digital ad platforms where we can see things like impressions and, and view through conversions. So there's a lot of different data out there and just kind of helping understand where we need the data to come from is I think a, a really good place to start. Can you share an example from your experience? What, what kind of, implementation and tracking has been really helpful for you? Yeah, so I, I think working with our enrollment staff and really kind of quantifying some of the anecdotal data we were getting out of our CRM. So we were hearing from the admissions uh, representatives that like, hey, we don't think these are good quality leads. They seem spammy. So working with them to actually build fields into our CRM plat platform, create a, a SOP, where they're actually going through every time they interact with a prospective student and filling out those fields. That way we're kind of able to quantify lead quality and then tie that back to UTM data and campaign names to see where the good quality traffic is coming from. A good example of that kind of in practice is like, if we're looking at our marketing analytics, we might see, hey, this campaign has a, a really low cost per lead because we're getting so many leads. But if we kind of peek at that same campaign through our CRM platform, we might see that, you know, 80% of those leads have been identified as low quality or bad leads by the admissions reps. So just understanding, you know, again, how 
how the, the quality of those leads affects the overall campaign is really important. I love this marrying of qualitative and quantitative data. Honestly, Chris, I'm surprised because you're a web digital guy, right? So I was expecting an example when I asked that question that was more on, okay, we were deep into the web analytics and we saw this happening. So we changed this about the user experience, but I love that you used an example of how you really connected in with the admissions team. Yeah, yeah, and, and a fun part about that project is it, we, we really made it sustainable because we did create that standard operating procedure with the, the recruiters from admissions, but we also created reporting where we're dynamically pulling data from Slate, our CRM platform, into a report where we're also pulling web analytics in from Google Analytics, and we're also pulling in uh, digital marketing analytics from you know Meta and Google Ads. Um, so we can see those KPIs coming from all the different platforms right there on the same page in a report versus having three different separate reports that we have to digest and kind of compile like on our own. So that was a fun project. And where did those KPIs come from? How did you figure out what was important to bring all into one place? Yeah, so I, I think for the longest time, like conversions was like the, the big KPI that was really important. And that was kind of the gold standard for, especially for digital marketing reporting. As we started to see like bot traffic and spammy leads increase, we, we started feeling less confident with just focusing on conversions and, you know, those cal calculated metrics that come off of the conversion metric, like cost per lead and all that. So that's where we started looking more at engagement. So that's where, again, we're kind of tying together our digital marketing analytics with our web analytics. So we can see like, okay, well, users from this campaign, they're visiting multiple pages. They're clicking on different accordions and elements on the page. Typically, you don't see that type of interaction from a bot. They typically just hit the page and, you know, fill out a form. So it, it kind of, it, it's an early flag for us if we're seeing lots of the conversions, but also seeing, you know, our, our engagement stats being kind of low. It's just a good way to, to, you know, throw up a flag. So to, I guess to answer your question more directly, it, it's kind of evolved over the years. Um, we, we've kind of seen problems with certain KPIs and then have, you know, had to shift strategies a little bit to identify new KPIs and get them set up and added to the reporting. So higher engagement, are you finding that that signals higher quality leads too? Yes, definitely. Yeah. So again, like from what we're seeing is bot traffic typically like hits the page and immediately goes to a form, you know, fills it out. It's not, you know, skimming through the different elements on the page and, you know, eventually getting to a form or going to another page on the site. So it's pretty easy to detect in that way. Interesting. Can analytics also help us to create a better seamless online experience for prospective students? I know that this is something that you're really passionate about, and this is a passion that we share about let's make the college admissions process less difficult. We are throwing up barriers left and right. I mean, I talk a lot about the Common App, which is supposed to be something that breaks down barriers. But if you ever tried to fill it out yourself, you'd find that it's not the easiest thing to fill out and uses a lot of language, for instance, that especially perhaps a first-generation student wouldn't even understand. So what are some ways that analytics and all that digital quantitative data that we have, how can that help us do that? 
Yeah, so I think, and this is a, an example from a web redesign we did at Maasai University. So I guess where I'm going with this is just understanding the nuance and the data. So we had some very specific goals we had set out, um, you know, as we went into this redesign that we wanted to see things like users spending more time on the site and visiting more pages. Like that's pretty typical goals for like a, a website redesign. However, when we launched the new site, we actually saw the total number of pages per, per session drop pretty significantly. And even things like the, the amount of time spent on the site dropping. So we had to kind of shift and, and understand why that was. Was that a good thing or was that a bad thing? I was just going to say, because like it could signal they're finding exactly what they need and it's really good experience and they're not having to fight their way around the website to get their information, right? But how do you know which is which? Yeah, so that's exactly what it ended up being. We, we kind of studied the different user journeys that we knew prospective students were coming on to our site looking for, you know, do you have my major, you know, what's tuition? And our, our original site didn't have like a mega menu that dropped down. So if I was looking for information on tuition, I'd have to click on the admissions link and then go to another page and I had to click on undergrad admissions and then I had to get to undergrad admissions and then click on tuition. So I'm four clicks in versus our new site had a drop down menu that, you know, you could get directly to tuition for undergrad student, students from any page on the site. So it was just, we actually, those metrics indicated that people were having a better user journey for those specific journeys that we had kind of identified. So yeah, again, just kind of shifting and, and trying to understand the data. The reason I chose that example was we had very specific KPIs that we had set forth um, going into the redesign, and it turned out that like those really weren't that meaningful. So we had to look into different things um, to, to track the success of our website. Well, it happened again. Prospect Paul is excited about attending your institution, but is getting constantly confused by all of the information and tasks he needs to complete to enroll creating friction, and even worse, melt. You knew this was going to happen again, which is why you've been flagging the need for a come-to-Jesus meeting with leadership from marketing, admissions, and IT to audit the digital experience for prospective students. Here's the problem. You're not going to convince Mark from marketing to let go of his marketing automation software. Adriana from admissions just got set up with her new CRM, and Isabel from IT is still working through ticket requests from last Christmas. But what if you could come to the table with a solution that didn't require anyone to let go of their software, while at the same time ensuring a frictionless experience for prospects and current students alike? Well, guess what? Today is your lucky day. Meet Pathify, an innovative, higher ed engagement hub that puts students at the center of their college journey. Pathify sits at the center of your school's digital ecosystem, becoming the single user experience interface tying together all systems, content, and communications. Their engagement hub elevates the information that matters most and pushes symptoms like the SIS behind the scenes where they belong, making it simpler for students to discover and engage with the opportunities your institution provides at every step of their journey, from prospect to alumni. What's even better, Pathify has a mobile experience that provides 100% parity with the responsive web app, so your campus app is always in sync. Pathify is a platform that every stakeholder on campus, from marketing to admissions to student affairs to IT and more, can get equally excited about. 
Learn more about how Pathify is uniting strategic units across campus and bettering the entire student experience by visiting pathify.com. And be sure to tell them that Allison from the application sent you their way. I find that one so interesting because it's sort of that difference between what we want because we want people to spend a lot of time on the website and read everything and watch every video. That's that's us. That's institutional-centered, right? But what you all found was actually by streamlining and making your content better, those KPIs went down, and that's good from the student perspective because they're getting they're feeling fulfilled. They got what they need from you, and that means that when they think about Messiah, I think that they think about it in a more positive light right? Like I think a web user experience, a good one that gets you to where you want to go very easily. I think it helps the brand. Yeah, I agree. One of my favorite ways to collect data about the web is actually go into move-in day and help like people move in to the dorms. Yeah. Oh, I'm doing that on Thursday. (laughs) Yeah. And it's crazy. Like I'll I'll typically introduce myself. Hey, I'm Chris. I I do the website, you know, and just to hear like grandparents say, Hey, we loved the website. It was so easy to find what we were looking for. Yes. It's anecdotal evidence, but I think it it also just kind of goes to show that, you know, what we're doing and focusing on the, the different data points that we are is making a difference for these end users, even if it is, you know, grandma and grandpa. Well, you're not letting data and numbers get in the way of the of it being a human experience. Even though this is online, these are real humans that we're trying to connect with. Exactly. Absolutely. I love that. What challenges might institutions face when they're trying to implement this kind of strategy? So this idea of um, flipping it from being an institutionally centered sort of hub, the website, to something that's really um, user-centered, streamlined process, and a really great user experience for those perhaps who are external to your college community. What challenges do we face when we try to do that? Yeah, so I think definitely like just being prepared to, to dig deeper. A lot of people, I think when they think of web analytics, they want to see a report with page views and sessions comparing year over to year. Um, So I mentioned this earlier, but like high level metrics only provide high level insight. So thinking through like, you know, even things like site search, you know, investigating what people are doing with the site search. If you take away the the homepage of your website, I think a lot of people, it's just kind of knee jerk reaction. It's built into their user journey. They're going to use the site search. But if you look into other pages on the site, like your undergrad admissions page or your tuition page, and look at what people are searching for when they hit those pages, it's always really telling because that's typically where they hit a roadblock and they were thinking, hey, I was looking for this specific thing. I got to the page where I thought it would be on and it's not here. So I think then they go to site search. So looking at things like that, an example I actually have from that is I worked with another school and I saw that tuition was the most search word from their undergrad admissions page. And it was interesting because I I went to the undergrad admissions page and I could not find the word tuition anywhere. You just kind of glance through and their admissions team decided to rename the tuition link to affordability. And prospective students were, were, there was a link there to the tuition page, but it just, it wasn't what people were expecting. So we were able to look at site search and say, oh, look, like this is what people are looking for when they get to the page, they're not finding it. So that was just good data to kind of present to that team to say, hey, we should probably rethink 
the naming of that tuition link. Yeah, that's a really great example, again, of that change was probably made because they wanted to get people thinking about this is affordable versus just looking at the numbers, right? But then you're, you've lost the language of the user who's actually trying to use it. And then when you combine that with, you know, that cost is like one of the one or two top decision drivers for every college pretty much out there, right? That you've, you've kind of lost track. So I love how you're using data to put people back on track of being user-centered in the choices they're making on the website. It's really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. I'll give an example of something we do since you mentioned search. I've actually used our search function to surface programs that we don't offer at the college, but people who are coming to the website are looking for. And we've actually added new majors at the college from this data. <laughs> yeah. So one of them was one of them was criminal justice. It's it was maybe one of our top three or four programs being searched on our website for years and years. It just got added last year, and we used the search data to fuel that there's demand. This idea that there's demand for these majors that we don't have at the college. So you can use it to help with the user, but you might actually be able to use some of this data we're talking about to make change on your campus too. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good example. We actually had something similar. One of the departments at Messiah decided to rename the broadcasting major to something different. I think it was like media culture and technology. And we were able to kind of point back like, hey, everyone's still looking for broadcasting because we did an environmental scan and that's what all of our competitors were calling it. And we had this one major and we called it something different. So when people came to our site search and they searched it, it wasn't coming up. When they went you know, to our A to Z list, they were going to the Bs for broadcasting, and they were missing it there. Um, so even simple things like that, if you have a major, it might not be named what you know the industry is, is calling it. Yeah, exactly. Actually, the criminal justice major I was just talking about, they almost named it Justice Studies. But thanks to the data I pulled from the website, it was criminal justice studies instead of justice studies. And it was criminal justice. They just thought justice studies sounded better or perhaps more academic. I don't know the reasoning. It wasn't that they were trying to hurt the numbers or the people looking for. How do you know if you don't know? You have to have the data to inform those kinds of decisions. So things change really fast in this arena, right? I mean, you mentioned the iOS, that, that new one that's coming out that made me really nervous about UTM tracking, because now we're all going to have to think about how we're tracking some of our campaigns, right, a lot differently. But what's your best advice for continuing to leverage digital analytics in higher ed marketing and just keeping pace with all of this change? <laughs> yeah, so I think, first of all, like a lot of campuses, I don't know that they have anyone dedicated for analytics, uh, especially within the marketing office. So if you're an institution that's really taking, um, you know, data-driven decisions seriously, you probably need to put your money where your mouth is and, you know, have someone carve off some of their, for me, I'm the director of web and digital marketing, but like I have dedicated hours I spend each week, you know, digging into the data and, and trying to analyze and, and building just the, our, our analytics platform and strategy. So even if it's not a full-time person, like finding someone who, you know, has that skill set and is willing to do it. Um, to me, there's lots of ROI there in, in doing that. I love that idea because a lot of times people will say, well, there's just no way we can tackle this without a whole other person. 
right? A whole other full-time position, but that's not feasible in a lot of our colleges and universities. So I like how you're talking about perhaps reallocation or reorganization of the work to align with emerging strategy. So what can you let go of to free someone's time up for this? Because this is really important. Obviously, you can find some efficiencies in the marketing. You can definitely get some ROI by having someone dedicated to it. So I love that idea of don't just hire. You don't have to hire a brand new person. How do you rethink the team as a whole so that you're attending to this? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for your valuable insights, Chris. Before we conclude, can you give our listeners one clear action step? What's the very first thing a hired marketer should do to start leveraging digital analytics after they listen to this episode? Okay, yeah, that, that, that's a really good question. I think one thing we, we typically do, with, especially with digital marketing campaigns, is we're a little lazy with our web uh, analytics implementation. And we'll just have like our, our landing page and we'll just install Google Analytics on that page with a single RFI form. And all of our analytics are tied to that one page and that one form. I think typically when you look at prospective students and just the way that they behave, they want to shop more than just seeing you know a single landing page. So they're going back to the main institutional website. They're signing up for visit events and doing things like that. So I think low-hanging fruit is typically just to make sure that you have the same web analytics property installed on those campaign landing pages, on your public-facing web pages, on your CRM pages, and making sure that the configuration is set up in a way that allows you to track attribution from the landing page to the main public-facing site, to the CRM site. Um, That way, you're not losing your ability to attribute like conversions back to that original ad click because typically if you have different analytics properties on your CRM and public website, when you go from the public facing website to the CRM, it's going to show a referral from your main website versus seeing UTM data from that original ad click. So that's one thing I think most institutions have the ability to do and just making sure they've done it and, and, and double checking that everything's configured correctly is a good first step. I know that I want to get credit for the campaign that I'm running and getting that lead. So (laughs) I love that advice. I'm all about that. Thank you so much again for sharing your expertise and your insights. I know I learned a lot and there's like four or five things I got to run over to my team as soon as we're off of this, Chris, and be like, have we thought about this, this, and this yet? So thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, great. Thank you. And to our listeners, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Higher Ed Marketers podcast. Stay tuned and subscribe for more episodes filled with valuable strategies and advice from experts like Chris. Hey, all Zach here from Enrollify. If you like this podcast, chances are you'll like other Enrollify shows too. Our podcast network is growing by the month and we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. Our shows feature a selection of the industry's best as your hosts. Learn from Mickey Baines, Jeremy Tears, Jamie Hunt, Jamie Gleason, and many, many more. You can learn more about the Enrollify podcast network at podcasts.enrollify.org. Our shows help higher ed marketers and admissions professionals find their next big idea. Find yours at podcasts.enrollify.org.